It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. Morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dirty Driving, this time for an episode of For My Next Guest. I'm so honored to say that Tom is joining us from Racing Fred. Hello. Hi, Katie. Happy to be here. So excited to have you. So if you're not familiar, Racing Thread is an F1-themed apparel company that focuses on celebrating all the best moments in F1 with subtle yet evocative embroidered designs. We're both wearing our Racing Thread merch without the embarrassing sponsor logo, so you feel like you can wear this merch wherever you go. And it doesn't scream F1, but it still gives you the nice touch of Formula One in your everyday wear. Tom started this back in March of 2022, and we're just going to talk a little bit about the company, our love for F1, and all the good things that come with that. So Tom, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know you're maybe predominantly an American podcast. You can tell from my accent, I am based in, uh, in England. Um, so I live in uh, in the Cotswolds, which is quite a rural part of England. And yeah, like you say, I mean, it's it's crazy because Racing Thread is now we've just passed our like one year anniversary. We launched, so yeah, we've just gone just gone through that. Um, celebrated that with a new line, which I'll I'll talk a bit about later. And um, yeah, so I mean, uh, at the moment, fifty percent of my time is is focused on Racing Thread. Fifty percent of my time, I do. Uh, some part-time bar work in a, in a, a country pub. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's I'm trying to trying to find that balance at the moment, which is quite hard to find. But um, things are working out well at the moment. So yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I feel like with having a nine to five or like a second job, and then coming home and working on your you know passion project, if you will, the thing that excites you, the thing that gets you going and motivates you is definitely a balance week to week I feel like some weeks I'm really good about finding the balance and then other weeks I'm like well yeah that went well but we could be better well well I mean yeah we should shout out to you because it's what time is it your end yeah six or something we're recording early in the morning so you so you've been up since like half five or something I imagine and yeah, it's just like it's finding the time. But uh, I mean, like you say, if it's something that you really enjoy doing, you kind of find some time for it. Yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit more about how you got into Formula One. This is something I ask everyone when they tell me they're an F1 fan. And so mm. I just love hearing about how every single person found it. Um, so tell us about that. Yeah, this is quite a hard one, actually. When I, when you, when I saw you were going to ask me this question, I was trying to think really like how... Because I've been watching Formula One for a long time, and I can't really remember how it started. I've been, I think, like early two thousands was was when I got into Formula One, and um, I think like it must have just been on in the house sometimes. Like when like my grand grandpa came over, maybe he was watching it sometimes. Um, so I think it was just like on in the background, and I think uh, like my interest picked up in it a bit. And I can remember, I think some of my earliest like Formula One memories are, um, so Mika Hakkinen's got a really famous pass that he did on Michael Schumacher at Spa when he went one way around one car and Michael went the other way and Mika Hakkinen overtook them both. 
And I can remember that being like vaguely remember that on TV. And then there was like a crash at um, Austria in 2002, uh, which was like Nick Heidfeld and Sato crashed. And it was like a really big crash at the time. And I can picture that. But then like, I can't really remember. The funny thing is like, my favorite, my favorite driver, I think, like got me into Formula One when I, I kind of discovered Kimi Raikkonen. But I think I, 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 I came to him by a really like obscure. Okay, so early early two thousands, like Pokemon was a really big thing at the time. I was much younger. Yeah. There was a po- there was a Pokemon called uh, Raichu, mm-hmm. and and people would just say I would hear that the name Raikkonen on TV and his his initials on the driver position screen would be like RAI. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think I just gravitated towards this driver. I had no idea who he was. And then like in races, I would I would follow him during the race and see how he was doing. And he, just, he, he just became my driver. And I didn't know at the time he was like a really big talent. He was like one of the top drivers. He was fighting for world championships. Um, but yeah, I think just like those were the years that I really got into Formula One. Uh, Kimmy's years at McLaren. Um, so I would get up, you know, th- those were the days when like, no matter what time it was, where the race was, I was up watching it live at like three in the morning, like for Australia or something practice. And yeah, then like, as the years went on, I guess I just, I got my sister really into Formula One. Um, so the two of us went to some like testing sessions at Silverstone, went to our first Grand Prix, Silverstone 2008, um, and then, yeah, we've been to a few Grand Prix since. So, yeah, it's just been a gradual thing, but it's been a, a long old thing. And it's uh, I've switched from uh, Kimi and now it's uh, Lewis and Carlos are my, are my drivers. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a great lineup. I mean, Kimi, Lewis, you got them all. So I love that. And Carlos is like, I don't know if I quote unquote, like loved Carlos at the beginning, but now I'm like, I don't know how I ever disliked him. So he, mm. he's phenomenal. Yeah. No, I think I just love, I remember for whatever reason, like his very first race for Toro Rosso, like in Australia, I don't know, like 2000, him and Max were teammates in like 2016, 15. And uh, yeah, I think it was like, he has like the long hair and he just seemed like a really cool, nice guy. I saw him in an interview. So I was like, you know, I'm going to like start following him. And he's had a really good career as well. He's always done. He's always been like really fast. And uh, yeah, it just seems cool. Has made the right moves at the right time. I feel exactly. Like. Yeah. That has definitely yeah. It would be painful. Him. It would be fa- painful following him at McLaren this year. If yes. he was still like in that McLaren car. So for sure. Well, that is lovely. I am jealous that you grew up a little bit more with F1. I feel like my passion for F1 is still growing, like in the early stages. And the more I learn, mm. the more excited I get, I get about it. So I, I'm envious that you've had it in your life so much longer. I don't know if I'll, I can see myself not ever not being a fan of Formula One. Like even if the rules change and we don't like it and things happen. I'm just going to be like, it's still formula one at its core. Like it's still the thing that brought, brings us so much joy every yeah. weekend. Yeah. Sometimes they make it hard for you. Uh, like with steward decisions and rule changes and stuff. But um, 
it's also it's like people who say it's just the, the narrative of people who think it's just cars like driving in circles which like maybe when you're starting out you feel that way and then you get into the story of a season and you learn about the drivers and like it's, I think it's like the narrative of a season that like really hooked me in as well so yeah well, tell us a little bit about how your love of Formula One has transformed into a company based in the sport. What inspired you to get started? What was the moment where you were like, I'm going to do something, I'm going to create something that revolves around the sport I love? Mm. Yeah, so it was um, my business partner who initially came to me with the idea um, of wanting to um, the idea of Formula One clothing, like you said in your intro, that you can really feel comfortable wearing anywhere because there have been times me and him um, have been to testing in Barcelona. And sometimes I've, I've never been someone who's bought into the team merch just because, like you say, I found it a little bit... Um, sometimes you can just feel uncomfortable, like just being covered in sponsors and yeah it's just it's, so it's just it's we wanted to create something that found a balance um of something that you could be wearing at a circuit and then you could leave the circuit maybe go for dinner or go for drinks and you could still be wearing that same piece of clothing um so we wanted to create something yeah like you say that you can wear in the grandstands or on the sofa or out for drinks um and you don't have to ask yourself whether you know, is it appropriate or am I going to feel uncomfortable wearing this at that event? So really that's where it, it, it that's where the idea was kind of founded. Um, and when he, yeah, he, he came to me with the idea, um, said I need someone to do some designs. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I started running as the designer. So I'm, I do the designs for racing thread. Um, I'll do the social media, and the website um and um, it's been a really it's been a really good project because i'm someone who I, I think by myself can procrastinate on an idea quite a lot um or maybe like lack the confidence to get it going but i think um when it's something that you uh yeah you can do kind of in your spare time and you find like a lot of love and enjoyment for it and like and like the community as well finding people like such as yourself and other people on social media that you can interact with. Um, it's been a really enjoyable project to like sink a lot of time into. So. Yeah, I, I find the F1 community is so rewarding, whether it's someone sends you a DM, someone's wearing your merch, someone's um, tagging you in a post or just reaching out to say, you know, that they love what you're doing. It's, that's a very rewarding piece of it that I wasn't expecting when I first started out that has now become the thing that keeps me going and keeps me excited about mm. doing this. It's also, um, I was just going to say, yeah, I also just like the designs themselves. I just think it's fun. Uh, I just like the idea of like carrying with you like moments that you just, that make you smile or make you laugh. And they're like your favorite F1 moments. So it's um, it's just being able to like look at those designs and like they might bring a smile to your face during the day or like, I don't know, they just kind of speak to you. So rather than just kind of like a more generic piece of F1 merch, I like that it's kind of personalized and you can like pick your favorite moment to like wear and carry around. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm wearing one of my favorites today. It's Lewis on his scooter. Yeah, which is just fun. It's so fun. And I have a scooter that I ride to work every day. And I would love, like, I always was like, that's something that Lewis and I could go do one day. You know, we could go on a scooter ride together. Probably not ever going to happen, but you never say never. But now I can wear that moment on my shirt. And I love it because... People have asked me when I was wearing my Roscoe shirt, Uh, people are like, whose dog is that? And I'm like, oh, it's Lewis Hamilton's dog. And they're like, oh, Formula One. And so it just like starts the conversation too in a different way other than the team, the team. Because I feel like when people see the team merch, they're like, oh, she's a McLaren fan. Oh, she's a Ferrari fan. But when they see these moments, they're like, oh, that's cool. It's not necessarily, you know, and or team based, but it's moment based, which is awesome. Yeah. And then you guys follow a different production line or production way method than most people, and you produce as needed when a design is ordered, you pull together the piece. So I'm very intrigued by that. It's definitely more of the sustainable, eco-friendly path to follow. So I just was curious a little bit more about that and how you guys decided to do that and talk to us a little bit more about how that process works. Yeah, we we use print-on-demand as our method of uh, producing our our merch at the moment. Um, And I think it just just works really well for us where we're at right now. Um, So like you say, as well as kind of the sustainable message, it's kind of cost effective for us because starting a business is kind of scary. Um, how much money to put into anything. Um, and, you know, having the confidence in whether it will work. So the last thing we wanted to do was to buy a ton of, you know, merch, uh, products um, and maybe not be able to fulfill them all or anything like that. So we started small. We started on this print-on-demand. So we, I, I produce the designs. I'll send the designs off to a external supplier who will then embroider them and ship them out for us, which means we can everything is made to order. Um, and we can also we have a global reach as well because the designs can be fulfilled and printed in centers all over the world it means that we can supply our products to america australia asia the rest of europe um at at reasonable postage costs um so yeah it just seemed like the right way to go to start with i mean and uh, i think in the back of our heads we always thought if if racing thread takes off and reaches a huge audience at some stage then um it would be really nice to invest in our own manufacturing um equipment uh to be able to do everything in in house but um i guess so i guess that's like a a long-term goal um but for now being able to make everything to order uh just is just a sensible approach for us and it like you say it's very it's a very sustainable eco-friendly approach to use so it's, it's good yeah it's definitely scary to drop a ton of money into a project and definitely it's a risk that we've taken that many others have taken in starting your own business. And so what do you think is one of the biggest challenges you faced since 
starting Racing Thread and what is the biggest piece of advice you could give to someone starting out, whether it's just an F1 focused product or in general? Obviously, I would tell that person to, to do it, to do, to pursue the ideas that you have. And I, and like personally, I know that can be scary and that can be, um, like I said, I, I like procrastinate over ideas. I sometimes don't have as much self-confidence in myself. Um, so it kind of, it, it, I guess, doing this with a business partner worked out quite well for me because, I mean, it's like, okay, like we brainstorm together. It's like, this is, um, I guess I know that I have to, I have designs that I need to get out. Um, and so I'm less inclined to, I don't know, you know, mull over them and, 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 uh, and wonder about whether what I'm producing is like, I, I think I always think the idea that I have has to be perfect before you start it. And sometimes it's more about just giving it a go. Um, so I think that's a good piece of advice. Just give something a go. Um, I think, I think, cause, uh, I guess one, one thing, the formula one, formula one merch has definitely taken off in the last few years. I think, like you say, you got into F1 largely through drive to survive. And I think like that has brought in so many new people to the sport. And so. Um, there's comp there's competition out there for merch. Um, so I think maybe like do some research and see if you can find a bit of a niche. I don't think, I think that's where like, um, we, we try and differentiate ourselves with like, driver moments and keeping it quite, um, keeping it, yeah, keeping it along, along that line. Um, but yeah, I just think just, just, just go for it really. Cause you never know. Someone told me this one day and it's like always stuck with me and I feel like you embody this and you just kind of preach this too, but like your first anything is not going to be good. Your first podcast isn't going to be good. Your first blog, your first whatever it might be, but you learn as you go and you get better and better mm -hmm. and you iterate and you grow. And I feel like that's something that I see in you of just let's go for it and see how it goes. And then we can change if we need to and modify along the way, but you just got to get it going and take the chance and take the risk. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you say, you can start small. So we like started with just like one season of 20 designs. Um, and then our kind of idea has been just to expand on that given how, you know, incrementally with how things are progressing so we're now up to three seasons and uh yeah we've just expanded with our um team radio um team radio line which is something that i've been wanting to like do for a while just because there's so many great quotes out there and um so yeah we've just branched out into that and yeah just try different things yeah i love the new line of team radios it's so creative. And when you dropped that, I was like, oh my God, why has that not been thought of before? And there it was just waiting for me on Racing Thread, the brand I know and love. So great idea and desperately need to place another order mm -hmm. to revamp my Racing Thread wardrobe as well. What's a moment that is one of your favorites? I'm sure most of these are your favorite moments, but 
if you had to pick your very next design of a moment that you love, what would it be? Um, yeah, so I mean, the Team Radio line did fulfill quite a lot of those um, because I just love... Um, that's something that I've been wanting to do. And so that's a recent launch that has fulfilled quite a lot of um, designs that we've been waiting on. Um, but I have uh, this... I mean, this is a prototype of... So this is like... This is Lewis winning in Brazil and waving the Brazil flag above his car. Oh, my God. So this isn't on the website yet, but it's like a prototype design. Um, so it might change. But, I mean, that's like one of my favourite F1 moments from recent years. So um, I think... I'll, well, I, I think... I, yeah, I'd like to expand some of our car designs. Uh, we had two in our recent season three update. We had like a Damon Hill design and uh, Ethan Senna and Nigel Mansell on their car. Uh, so some more car designs maybe would be fun, like driver moments that happen in cars. Yeah, I love I love that. All right, let's talk about this season. Mm. How do you feel about this season in general thus far? I'm I'm quite enjoying it. Uh, I I really thought Max was going to run away with it, and I still think he might. I still think he might. You know, I mean, I know, I know Perez is there as well, but primarily, I think Max has the potential to win every race. But I think the exciting thing is he's not he's not as dominant. Okay, it's hard to know because he maybe they have turned the car down ten percent. But so far, it hasn't appeared as dominant as you might think. And the races that are happening behind him um, or behind Checo have been really fun, I think. There's been like loads of overtaking. The teams seem like the, most of the teams seem super close. Um, or they're in, they're in nice tight groups. So uh, it's, been, it's been fun seeing like Lewis fighting Alonso because I always feel like there's this like hostility between Lewis and Alonso obviously that goes like back to McLaren yes and I'm sure Alonso fans would say no he's not bitter um at the number of championships Lewis has won in in their time in Formula One but uh, part of me thinks he is but uh, but he came out with some really nice comments about Lewis in Australia saying like um you know I, I was trying to I was trying to get close to him for 58 laps or whatever I was trying to push him into a mistake and he never made one like the world champion that he is so I think like it, it's nice seeing that I think yeah they're gonna bond a little more this season maybe um but I think the stewards is my biggest problem this season because I just don't I I I, I never think you should walk away from a Formula One race like not fully understanding what what's happened and I've had that this season and as like like you said I mean I've I've watched Formula One for a long time but I can't understand it's changed it seems to have changed a lot uh in recent years whereby penalties you you just get a lot more penalties and sometimes you can't understand why they're happening and like the red flag I didn't understand in Australia for example why we had a a standing restart on lap 56 of the race and then we had another red flag and then we had a safety car rolling restart to close out the race and I was like I I don't understand why and I feel like if they're making those decisions at least put like a 
put something on the screen to say, this is why this is happening. Maybe we're running out of time. I don't know. Maybe there's like a limit on time. So they had to do a, a rolling restart. I, sometimes I just don't understand what's happening and I don't really feel like that should ever happen in a sport. Yeah, especially in a sport that's working on growing and finding new fans for us who know what's going on most of the time, usually mm. we can like parse it together a little and be like, okay, you know, that makes a little sense. But if you're a new fan just watching, like if Australia was your first race, I don't know if you'd want to keep watching because it was that confusing. So I completely agree with you. I feel like it's just penalty after penalty, especially in these first three races. So I don't know. I'm hoping that it like gets better. I'm hoping that it's just, they're eager to be back and they're getting their hands involved where sometimes they shouldn't be. Um, Yeah. No, I was going to say, well, Carlos is, penalty hurt as well i i didn't quite understand that because okay you could say maybe he could have been more careful on the restart but then there were crashes happening behind him that weren't even investigated so i don't know it was a weird one it it, when when that kind of thing happens i feel like it's for the show i feel like it's okay alonso is part of the narrative of this season carlos hit alonso so we will We'll, you know, we'll make a story there. We'll give Carlos a penalty, and we won't look at Nick DeVries and Ocon and Gasly crashing behind. It was, it was just strange, especially as like they just restarted the race with all the cars in the same position anyway. Alonso hadn't lost out on anything, so why, why did Carlos get a penalty? But yeah, more explanation I think is uh, would would help this season. Yeah, I love the idea of like the pop up box of like. Yeah, just tell us what you're doing. Just tell us <laughs> what's happening before it happens yeah. so we can follow along a little bit better. Any big predictions for the rest of the season? I know it's early, so tons can happen. No, I mean, I, I really do think it's Max's season. Um, outside of that, yeah, I'd like to see... I'd like to see Mercedes find their feet again. Because it just seems to be a very, even though they have a good race and then their narrative completely changes to, you know, they're really happy. Like a week prior to that, they put out that statement saying how they were letting their fans down and what a bad season it was. So, I, I, yeah, uh, I'd like to see them find some consistency, I guess, and actually understand their car, which I feel like isn't happening. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see... I've been a... Nick DeVries fan for quite a while so I don't know Toro Rosso have a bit of a habit of or sorry AlphaTauri they have a bit of a habit of surprise podiums every now and again maybe he gets lucky somewhere like Gasly did at Monza and and he finds his way on the podium or something um but yeah I don't know what about you Ooh, I think we are gonna have a couple one-off podiums I would love to see, or one-off wins, I'd love Mm -hmm. to see Carlos Sainz take another win. I'd love to see Pierre Gasly on podium. I'd love to see... I would actually love to see Nick give us 
a little bit more than he's given us thus far. I yeah. had like all these hopes for him going into the season. I think I think that AlphaTauri car is just really bad. Right. And like maybe a little jitters race one, but now mm. I'm like, okay, let's let's see a little bit more of what I know you can do. Um so that's definitely on my list of things to see and then I completely agree with you. I want to see Mercedes back. I want to see them I want to see Lewis, like Lewis and George, consistently up on the podium, consistently yeah. battling Alonso. I think that is a great storyline, if you will, for the season. And then my last thing I'll say is just the midfield. Now that there's not really any back marker, I'm so curious to see who's going to end up in the bottom because mm. it, it really could be anyone. Yeah, I mean, the Williams has been a big surprise because even after like preseason testing, they were saying they were, they were, they thought they were last. And yet they've scored, I don't know if it's been every, it might have been every race so far, they've scored some points, except I know they had a few, they crashed out maybe in Albon had his crash in Australia, didn't he? But so far, they've kind of been on for points every race, which for, you know, Williams going back like six or seven years, they haven't been consistent in the points. Um. So that's really nice to see. It's refreshing. Um, yeah, and I just I think maybe yeah I don't know are McLaren the back marker at the moment? They were and they jumped up thanks. They to had a good race. The good race. Yeah. They both are on the points. Um. So yeah, I'm. I don't know if that's just like the fluke of everyone else DNFing or something has changed, but McLaren I'm keeping my eye on this season because I don't know if you know this, but I used to be a huge McLaren fan and I've suddenly changed my tides thanks to Zach Brown's actions. Um, Okay. Yeah. I know you're a big Daniel Ricciardo fan. Huge Daniel Ricciardo fan. And I've just read, I'd love to find, love to hear your take about this. I just either I read it or I heard someone talk about it, that there's this conspiracy theory that Red Bull has brought Daniel Ricardo back to the team to essentially like scare Checo and to keep him in line of being the second driver. And I'm like, yeah. that's an interesting take on this. So any thoughts on that? Um, I don't know if I'd, yeah, I don't know if I'd heard that rumor outright but it makes sense in the fact that, I mean, it's unnecessary, unnecessary pressure to put on Checo. Yes. When actually he's been performing pretty well in his, in his seasons at Red Bull. But I mean, if you've got Daniel Ricciardo waiting, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure what kind of threat Checo would see Daniel as at the moment, because obviously Daniel, Daniel fitted in that Red Bull team so well. Um, and he did well at Renault. He had a shocker at McLaren, which, to be honest, I'm I'm super glad that he's not at McLaren this year. I know it. I know it was painful for a lot of people, but I think it just would have been even more painful to see him to see that trend continue because he's a better driver than that. So I'm glad that he did something different this year. Um, but I don't know whether Checo maybe saw that, and maybe Daniel isn't as much of a threat, and certainly. That car, I would have thought, has changed a lot since Daniel last drove it because of how tailored that team is around Max at the moment. So there's nothing to say that Daniel wouldn't struggle 
in in a car that's probably predominantly designed for Max. And Checo has said himself he's had to adapt himself to it a lot. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's, it seems a bit it's like a sketchy thing that Red Bull might do, but, um, but yeah, I'd love to see. I mean, I think it's perfect. I, I don't know how long Checo sees himself in Formula One. Daniel's the perfect replacement. Um, yeah. I think it's probably the right move for Daniel because I don't really see him going to Ferrari or Mercedes necessarily at any time soon. So I love it. Yeah. We got plenty more action to come this season. That is for sure. So to wrap us up, I'd love to know what your current favorite design is. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've, I've got a little, uh, some show and tell uh, just cause I had them to hand. So I, I really, I've got this, this Damon Hill design, uh, which I really like a lot. Um, I think that's quite a unique design. That's car number zero, where he's been the only driver in F1 history to drive car zero. We've got, out, out of the new range as well, we've got this uh, George mm-hmm. Russell celebrating his first win. And you nailed his blue helmet on that one. Yeah. Similarly, similarly uh, K-Mag, his... Uh, is that, have I got it on camera? Mm-hmm. You can see it. Yeah, K-Mag celebrating victory. Um, and then ones that I wear all the time, but like personally are like Lewis's uh, 44 Love is Love helmet design and uh, Scooter Seb as well. I find myself wearing Scooter Seb a lot of the time just because it's so fun. Yeah, um, great memories. Yeah. Lovely. They're, they're, they're some of my favourites, um, as well as Carlos's... Uh, you keep it together like a smooth operator. Yes. Yeah. They're my faves, I think. But it's it's hard, it's hard to choose them because, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of... Like you say, Roscoe, I'm a, I, lo- I love dogs. I've, I love my, my dog, so I'm always, I always find myself wearing my Roscoe cap. Um, yeah. Yeah, so many good ones to choose from. So tell our fans where you can find them and where we can purchase them. Yeah, so we are Racing Thread pretty much everywhere. We are Racing Thread everywhere. Our website is racingthread.com and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Racing Thread. Um, yeah, that's, that's everything, I think, yeah. Yeah, well, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. So excited that we got to meet each other and that our love of Formula One has brought us together and that now we get to chat about F1 and where our favorite F1 moments. Yes. Are you going, you're going to some races this year? I am. I will be back in Austin and Montreal this year. So it's now become a father's day tradition to go to the race in Montreal. And then if I can make it happen, you might see me in Vegas, but that's like, really, if I can make it happen. Okay. Someone's got to be sponsoring you to go. That is, <laughs> yeah. You know I, it. I, you, you yeah. know it. I'd love to go to Canada sometime. The Canadian Grand Prix. That's always been high on my list. And um, yeah, I think Austin. In about, I might make it to Austin this year. We'll see. Okay. It's something that I maybe because I have family in the US, so maybe to combine that with a trip, we'll see what happens. But. Yeah, you'll have to keep me updated. 
Yes. And then next year will be the European excursion okay. where I'm trying mm. to hit a race and then the F1 exhibition and then another race. So yeah. I'll keep you updated on those plans too. Brilliant. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dirty Driving. Until next time, stay dirty. This podcast is brought to you by Racing Thread, Formula One clothing for literally any occasion. Their clothing features subtle, evocative, embroidered designs of your favorite F1 moments. From Ricardo's McHorsey entrance to Kevin's first pull. From Pierre and Yuki's bromance to Inspector Seb, the moments are endless. Whether you're out to dinner with friends, watching the race at home, or cheering in the grandstands, gone are the embarrassing sponsor logos. Instead, Racing Thread is F1 clothing you are comfortable wearing anywhere. Dirty Driving listeners can get 15% off Racing Thread's entire range of t-shirts, sweatshirts, polos, and bucket hats using the code DIRTYDRIVING. Head over to RacingThread.com to shop F1 Racewear for anywhere.